0: On the show today, two California-based tech companies are feuding over privacy and tracking. Researchers have discovered an attack that allows eavesdropping on residents using their robotic vacuums. Reports claim that the US military is buying location data from app developers. Our weekly pop quiz asks if you know how to stay safe when you're on a public network. And today's tip teaches you how to detect when someone is using your Wi-Fi. All of that and more is coming up on the November 30th, 2020 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. I have four stories on the newsbeat for you today. We begin in California, where two of the state's tech giants are feuding over privacy. Apple recently announced that it was developing an app tracking transparency feature which will require users to provide consent before an app can monitor activity from other apps. Facebook has expressed concern that the feature will limit its current business model of targeted advertising. In response, Apple claimed that Facebook's intent is to collect as much data as possible from all activity on devices in order to develop and monetize user profiles. However, Facebook fired back, claiming that Apple was using its market position to give preference to its own form of targeted advertising over its competitors. Facebook said that Apple was using privacy to disguise that the actual intention of this move was to increase its own profits. Regardless of who's right and who's wrong in this instance, and the truth is probably somewhere in between the two extremes presented by these companies. Apple says it is moving forward with the new feature and plans to launch it early next year. If you have a robot vacuum, you'll want to pay attention to our next story. Researchers have unveiled an attack that allows people to use the vacuum's LiDAR sensor to eavesdrop on conversations in your home. The LiDAR sensor is what permits the vacuum to scan the room and navigate around obstacles on the floor. However, since the sensors are also sensitive to sound waves, it's possible for someone to obtain data from the sensor and process it to extract the audio signals it collects. However, don't chuck your Roomba in the garbage just yet. The researchers say that this type of attack is extremely complex, requiring advanced software and the ability to compromise the vacuum itself. Plus, the attackers must also be on your network in order to get the data from the vacuum. This puts a compromise outside the abilities of all but the most advanced attackers. So if you do have a robot vacuum, it's a good time to see if there are any updates available. And it's also a good time for this week's tip, which will discuss how you can identify if there's someone lurking on your network. In news of another possible attack, researchers showed how Bluetooth could be used to steal unlock codes from the key fob of Tesla vehicles, which permitted researchers to break into a Tesla Model X in approximately 90 seconds. According to the research, anyone who obtains the Tesla's VIN, usually visible through the windshield, and can come within 15 feet of the victim's key fob could extract the unlock code using Bluetooth. The researchers also discovered a second vulnerability that would permit someone to pair a new fob with the car once inside, permitting them to start the car and drive away. The researchers reported that Tesla said it would begin pushing out fixes to the key fobs and vehicles this week. But in the meantime, the researchers say they have been careful to ensure that their statements have been vague enough to not provide details of how the attack could be replicated. And finally, technology blog Motherboard has revealed that it has discovered two location data providers selling cell phone location data to the U.S. military. The military used a network of contractors to purchase the data from the tracking companies. While the apps which use these technologies do mention that location tracking occurs, researchers say it is unlikely that anyone using the app would have military use of the data in mind, even if they read the entire privacy policy. Furthermore, since we know that the U.S. military is purchasing this data, we can also be confident that a number of other countries, both friend and foe, are also obtaining this type of data. Now, unless you think there's a military somewhere that's looking for you, this specific news is unlikely to be of much concern. However, the relevant implication is that when you consent to data tracking, the data collected could be used for purposes far beyond anything you ever imagined. And now we move on to the scam of the day. Today's scam came to my inbox from my aunt's email address. It had the subject line, Reaching Out for Help. The email read, Hi, and a very good morning to you. Please, I need you to help me out on something, and I am currently not available on phone right now. Let me know when you're online. Thanks. I recognized this was a scam right away. One of the biggest signs to me was the fact that it used a reply to address. While my aunt's address was listed as the sender, which may or may not have been legitimate, the email used this reply to address so that your reply would go to a completely different Gmail account. My dad got the email as well. He replied back and said, What's up? To which the scammer replied, I'm sorry for bothering you. I really do need your assistance with purchasing Google Play gift card for my friend who is a cancer patient. I promised her a Google Play gift card as a birthday gift, but I can't do this right now because I am currently out of town. I tried purchasing it online, but unfortunately, all effort to no avail. Wondering if you could get it from any store around you? I'll pay back ASAP. Kindly let me know if you can handle this. At this point, my dad also recognized the scam. He asked if there was anything my aunt should do. I pointed out that it's very possible that her password was compromised, so she should change it. While it is possible to spoof whatever is in the email sender field, it's unlikely that the scammer would have known that my dad and I knew her without actually accessing her email account. It's not impossible, but it would be much more complicated to figure that out, so a compromised account is probably the most likely option. If you encounter a scam that you think we'd like to talk about on the show, you can send it to us at scam at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. And now it's time for our cybersecurity pop quiz. Each episode, I'll ask you a question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Today's question is multiple choice. The question is, which of these is not a best practice when you are connected to Wi-Fi at a hotel or coffee shop? A, connect to whatever network is available. B, mark the network as a private network. C, Use a VPN to provide extra security, or D. Only do what is necessary while on public Wi-Fi. The answer will be revealed in next week's episode. But if you want to know it right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonalcom quiz to find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong you can be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude Season 2 in February. But your guess to this question must be submitted before the next episode is released at 8 a.m. on Monday, December 7th. For official rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quiz Last week's question was, which of the following items are likely to happen if you use a password manager. A. The password manager will make it easier to sign in by autofilling your passwords. B. The password manager won't be fooled by fake phishing sites. C. The password manager won't update your password when you change it. D. The password manager will remind you of sites where you have an account so you can delete it if you no longer need it. Or E the password manager will get hacked and expose all of your passwords. The correct answers are A, B, and D. A password manager will autofill your passwords, making it easier for you to sign in. And your password manager will also recognize the difference between legitimate sites and phishing sites. If your password manager doesn't autofill a password like it normally does, That's a good sign the site might not be legitimate. When you create new accounts, the passwords can be added to your password manager automatically, which will create a directory of the places where you have accounts. I recommend taking a few moments to scan the list and see if there are any accounts that you can delete. Unlike the answer says, your password manager will update your password when you change it. And while there is the possibility your password manager could compromise your passwords, all of the reputable password managers have steps in place to make sure that your passwords can't be read by others. It's much more likely that someone's account will be accessed because they chose a bad master password than that a password manager's entire infrastructure will be compromised. Do you have someone lurking on your Wi-Fi, clogging up your bandwidth, stealing your data, or even engaging in illegal activity? Do you even know how you could check for that? We'll have more on how you can find out if there are other devices connected to your Wi-Fi network when we come back from this short break. If you have a cybersecurity question you'd like to know the answer to, you don't have to wait for an episode about it. We want to hear from you, whether it's a question you have or a comment you want to leave us about the show. You can reach us by email at info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or you can leave a voicemail at 859-968-9399, option 2. We'd love to hear your feedback or your questions, and we will definitely consider them when we discuss future topics or changes to the show. Plus, if we select a topic based on your message, we'll be sure to recognize you in that episode. Once again, that's info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or 859-968-9399, option two. At the beginning of our very first episode, I shared the story of a man who had the police show up at his door as part of an investigation into child pornography. As it would turn out, that man was completely innocent, and the person the police were looking for was his neighbor. However, the police went to the wrong house because the neighbor was using the man's unsecured Wi Fi network for his illegal activities. If you don't put a password on your wireless network, you're leaving the door open for many different possibilities. Someone who lives nearby or who drives through the neighborhood in their car could use the network for illegal activity, which would then be tied back to your address. Your open network could also be used to steal data off your computer or monitor your internet traffic if you haven't configured settings properly. And even if that person's use is completely benign, it's still bandwidth that you can't use, which could slow down your internet activity on your devices. However, even when you have a password on your Wi-Fi, it's still possible that someone could access it. Unfortunately, we're bad at creating passwords, and your Wi-Fi password isn't something you can just store in your password manager and never have to worry about typing in. Plus, if you've had people over to your house, you've probably given them your Wi-Fi password, which means your password isn't completely private to you. So how can you keep an eye on what devices are using your network? First, let's start out with two different ways that you can check for what devices are on your network. One way to check is to go to your router itself. Your router maintains a list of all connected devices, and in most cases, it will also list devices that have connected recently, even if they're not currently active. This makes it a little more thorough than the second option. However, it's a little more complicated to check your routers list. You'll always start out by accessing the control panel. To do this, you enter a series of numbers into your web browser's address bar, and then you'll normally be asked to enter a username and password. In most cases, you'll need to use the instructions in your router's manual or find instructions online to know what to enter. If you've changed the username and password away from the default and you don't know what it is now, you'll need to reset the router in order to get back to the default settings. But once you've connected to the router, I still can't give you any direction for where to go to find the list. On one router I have, it's under Connections Devices, and on a different one, it's under Settings DHCP. You'll probably need to click around the settings until you can find the list or search the manual for instructions. Unfortunately, each manufacturer makes all of these settings differently, so it's not practical for me to be able to offer any more guidance here on the show. The list provided by your router will generally provide the IP address the router has given it, the MAC address, which is a unique identifier programmed into each device, and the device's name. For example, I can look through the list and see my phone's name, my tablet's name, and the name of the two computers that I own, in addition to other devices from my household. Now hopefully the names will be enough to help you identify most of the devices. It might help to make a list of all your internet-connected devices first. Don't forget to include items like printers, smart TVs, and smart home devices that all use your Wi-Fi so don't forget to add that smart toilet to the list. But there's a second way to check for devices that's a little bit easier. There are programs for every device that can find all of the devices currently on your network. Unfortunately, these can't find devices that have connected in the past, but many of them may have the ability to monitor and save the devices that have connected while it's running. If you'd like to see my recommendations for these programs for any type of device, including Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android, you can visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com recommendations to see them. One advantage of these programs is that they can often find additional information about your device that the router won't save. So if you're unsure of a device that comes up when you look at your router's information, you might be able to use one of these programs to help you figure out what it is. Now that we've covered how to find if there are extra devices, we'll finish by discussing what to do if you actually find another device on your network. In almost every case, the easiest thing to do is to reset the password to your network. Unfortunately, this requires you to access your router's control panel, so it's time to find out that information if you just used an app to search for devices. Once again, the exact process to change your password is going to be different depending on the brand of router, so you'll need to look up how to do it. However, do be aware that changing your password may be a little bit of an annoying experience. The new password will need to be entered on every device. And it will also be good to let everyone in your house know before you make that change. If you change it before you leave for work and don't tell anyone, you might come home to some unhappy kids if they haven't been able to use the Wi Fi all day. If you have a device that keeps managing to get back on your network after you've changed the password, the most likely scenario is that it's something that someone in your house owns. But if you're absolutely sure that it's not a device from your home, you can also try blocking that device using MAC address filtering. Each device has a unique address called a MAC address that's set when the device is built. That address is transmitted to each router you try to connect the device to. Going into your router's control panel, and telling it to block connections from that device's MAC address will keep that device off your network. It's also possible to configure it to only allow MAC addresses you approve of, but that can get very annoying because you have to program the MAC address in each time you get a new device. Also, MAC address filtering won't stop an absolutely determined person. It's possible to see all of the MAC addresses in use on your network and then use software to make your computer say it's using a different MAC address. Unless you're having problems with someone repeatedly getting on your network, I don't recommend using it. But if you do have a strange device that keeps reappearing, it might be worth trying to block it that way it's definitely worth it to check the list of devices on your network from time to time. While it's unlikely that you're going to find anything unusual, it is possible you could find someone using your Wi-Fi network. Getting them off could boost your internet speeds or save you a lot of hassle down the road. So that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and come back and join us again next Monday where we will discuss the steps you can take to protect your email account. Until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.